Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast with your host, Jen. In other words, me. And I'm so excited that you're here to share a cup of coffee with me. Or for you guys that uh, don't like coffee, first and foremost, I don't understand you. (laughs) And I truly mean that. Like, I really, really like coffee to the point that I don't understand when people don't like it. Like, to me, there's so many benefits of it. You drink it, it's delicious, it's hot, it's warming, it's comforting, and then it gives you energy. And then you just feel better for the rest of the day, and it helps with headaches. Fun fact, it helps get rid of headaches, or so they say. (laughs) For me, when it helps me get rid of a headache, it's because I haven't had caffeine in too long, and I'm having like a caffeine-related headache, so I need caffeine, and it gets rid of my headaches. Now, whether or not caffeine helps me get rid of headaches... I can't actually speak to that, and I don't know if if that's true for me personally, but they do say that if you drink coffee, it's supposed to help you with headaches. But I guess tea has caffeine in it as well, but I, I mean, I don't know. If you guys are tea drinkers, let me know what tea you enjoy drinking the most, and Earl Grey does not count. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand Earl Grey tea. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just disgusting. It's like drinking hot water with some sort of bitter flavoring. And you could argue, I guess, that coffee tastes the same way. But there's something about Earl Grey that is just appalling to me. (laughs) I'm kidding, you guys, kind of. I personally don't like Earl Grey tea. But if you like Earl Grey tea, tell me that you like Earl Grey tea and explain to me why you like it. Because I really would like to understand the appeal of Earl Grey tea. But okay, we're not here to talk about tea today. We are here to talk about Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. We're going to be talking about prayers, actually. And one of my favorite places, the reason I mentioned coffee to begin with, one of my favorite places to pray is actually out on my porch with a cup of coffee. I love that. I just, that's a very comforting place for me. It's a great place for me to relax, uh, sit down and just pray. And I mean, we could pray everywhere, but it is kind of fun to have a little prayer spot. But let's read Luke 18, 1 through 17. Feel free to grab your Bible, your cup of coffee, or your cup of tea. And let's read verses 1 through 17 today. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. He also spoke a parable to them that they must always pray and not give up, saying, There was a judge in a certain city who didn't fear God and didn't respect a man. A widow was in that city, and she often came to him, saying, Defend me from my adversary. He wouldn't for a while, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will defend her, or else she will wear me out by her continual coming. The Lord said, Listen to what the unrighteous judge says. Won't God avenge his chosen ones who are crying out to him day and night, and yet he exercises patience with them? I tell you that he will avenge them quickly. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He also spoke this parable to certain people who were convinced of their own righteousness and who despised all others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, 
One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed to himself like this, God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of men, extortionists, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far away wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. They were also bringing their babies to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus summoned them, saying, Allow the little children to come to me and don't hinder them, for God's kingdom belongs to such as these. Most certainly, I tell you, whoever doesn't receive God's kingdom like a little child, he will in no way enter into it. So yeah, most of this is talking about prayer here, especially this first little bit about this widow and the judge. So Jesus tells the people who are listening this parable about this, this widow who had some sort of problem. She was being persecuted by somebody and there was a judge in that city that she lived in where she needed to go to this judge and ask to be basically freed from her adversary or rather defended from her adversary. So this widow was having some sort of a problem. And of course, Jesus says so many times in scripture that you are supposed to defend the widows and the orphans or rather the fatherless. So the disciples and everybody else listening to this would have understood that you are supposed to protect widows and young children. So it's interesting that Jesus states that this is a widow because uh, most people would have believed that it would be important to defend a widow from whatever her adversary was or her um, opponent that was coming to screw her over in some way. That really shows the level of, I suppose, uncaring this judge really was. This judge didn't fear God and didn't respect man. So, of course, he's not going to respect this widow who needs help. But Jesus makes this point that this widow was so persistent in her um, <laughs> in her begging that finally this judge gives in. This judge gives in and he's like, fine, I'll give you what you need because I'm so sick of you coming here every single day and nagging me about this issue. So it says here, because this widow bothers me, I will defend her. <laughs> or else she will wear me out by her continual coming. So this wicked judge, who truly does not care about anybody but himself, eventually gives in to this widow because he was sick of her. And basically, Jesus's point with this story was to say that when we bring a problem before God, we pray to him and we can ask him as much as we possibly want and he's not going to get tired of us the way this judge did. But even this wicked judge who uh, didn't care about human beings eventually gave the widow what she needed. So G Jesus is basically making this point of like, how much more is God going to give you what you need when you continually ask him? First and foremost, he's not going to get irritated with you like this judge did. And secondly, he loves you. He loves you. He respects you. Not the way this judge was who didn't respect anybody but himself, but God loves you and he doesn't get irritated with you. So we're supposed to constantly bring issues before God. 
right? Sometimes we think that we're nagging God when we pray. I've actually heard that. But really, that's not the truth. God does say to cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now, I do believe we are supposed to have respect for God, just as this widow would have had respect for this judge as her authority. We are supposed to have respect for God and uh, be careful what we say to him. I, I do believe that. I've done episodes about that in the past where um, I don't believe we can just say whatever we want to God, or rather we shouldn't. God is very merciful, but either way. But my point is, is that we can bring problems before God. When we have an issue, God is not going to be bothered by our problems. And we can literally pray about them constantly. And God will not be irritated with us. Because here's what Jesus says. Verse 7, Won't God avenge his chosen ones who are crying out to him day and night? He exercises patience with them. I tell you that he will avenge them quickly. See, I mean, that's that just proves right there that God, he loves you and he doesn't get bothered by your prayers to him. He's not going to be bothered by you. So you can bring what you need to bring to God and he's going to avenge you quickly. Now, you might be asking me, well, why... Is it that when I pray to God, it doesn't seem like he's answering my prayers? Well, I mean, God always answers prayers. There was actually a preacher I heard a while back that says God's answers are, he always answers, and his answers are one of three things, either yes, no, or not yet. (laughs) So yes, God does always answer our prayers, and he always will, but sometimes he makes us wait. For a very specific reason, we may not know what that reason is yet. He makes us wait or he just says no. And if he says no, you have to examine where your heart's coming from, because that's what James says. If you go over to the book of James, I think it's chapter two. uh, James talks a little bit about prayers. The reason we are asking and not receiving from God is because we are doing it with selfish motives. So otherwise, if it is in God's will and it doesn't feel like he is answering your prayers, it's probably because he is saying, it's just not time yet. It's not time yet. Just wait a little bit longer. And I I know how frustrating that can be. (laughs) I've had a few times in my life where I'm just like, why is God making me wait? I don't want to have patience. I just want this now. Why do I have to wait? But in the end, it really was good for me to wait for the thing that I wanted. But anyway, After this, Jesus says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is kind of a confusing verse to me. I'm going to be honest, and I'm not really sure what it means. I'm going to guess this is talking about Jesus's second coming to the earth. Uh, Will he find faith on earth? I I don't know. I, I truly don't understand the connection between this verse and the last verse. And I'm sorry, sometimes I don't always have an answer for um, some of the things in scripture. I am human and I do the best I can. (laughs) But um, yeah, I'm not quite sure why Jesus adds this in at the very end when he talks about prayer. Maybe it's because prayer and faith really are connected. So when Jesus comes again, will he find faith on earth? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to skip past this part. And if you guys have honestly an answer to that or an idea of what you think that might mean, I'd love for you to contact me with um, what you personally believe about that. 
So verse nine, Jesus talks about this parable who are conv- uh, about people who are convinced of their own righteousness. So he's talking to, it doesn't say Pharisees here, but I'm going to guess that that was um, definitely a good majority of it. But people in general tend to think very highly of themselves. Uh, we all struggle with pride. I do believe that. I don't think that there's a person on earth other than, other than Jesus that did not struggle with pride or that does not. I do believe we all have trouble with pride. So Jesus gives this parable about people who are convinced of their own righteousness. In other words, they don't believe they need a savior. They believe that they are good enough on their own to be saved. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I do struggle with um, thinking too highly of myself. Sometimes like I sit in church and I'm just like, I already know all this. I don't need to learn about whatever the pastor's preaching about, and then I tune it out. And then when I realize I'm doing that, or rather, God shows me I'm being arrogant, I always learn something. <laughs> but Jesus gives this parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. So two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. So the Pharisee stood and prayed to himself like this. It's interesting that Jesus says, prayed to himself. (laughs) This Pharisee wasn't even praying to God. He was praying to himself. Oh, that's hilarious. The Pharisee stood and prayed to himself like this. (laughs) I mean, that's also saying that he was, you know, talking to himself. But it's just funny that the way this is worded, prayed to himself. (laughs) God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of men, extortionists, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So man, I mean, he is, uh, he's a little high and mighty. He's not praying to God about how good God is or how wonderful he is or anything else or that he needs God. He's making himself get a big head. He's puffing himself up saying that he is so holy and basically thanking God for his own holiness. So that's why um, I could rabbit trail so much on this stuff, really. I'm already 17 minutes in. But that's why I see I I have a lot of problems with some of the worship songs we do, where it's talking a lot lot more about self than it is about God. Um, I, I do think that we need to, when we worship, really be focusing in on God. Like sometimes those songs that we do that are focusing about self are good because it's talking about what God has done for us or different things like that. But I'm not a big fan of um, a lot of the worship songs that are going on nowadays that kind of talk about more of the self rather than more of God. So I do think we need to watch out for that for sure, because otherwise we could be going into the realm of this Pharisee here that is making himself so holy, thinking himself so holy. And I'll be honest, even some of the old hymns do that. (laughs) Okay, verse 12, though, talks about this, uh, or rather, verse 13, talks about this tax collector. He was standing far away. He couldn't even look up into heaven, and he's hitting himself on the chest, you know, praying so deeply and just saying, I am such a sinner. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And that was the heartfelt prayer that he had. He was making God to be bigger than him. God showing grace and mercy towards him, a sinner. Not like this Pharisee who was thanking God for um, himself being so holy, but this 
tax collector who had a job that was not well-renowned, right? People didn't like tax collectors back in, in this day because a lot of them were corrupt. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them were. And this tax collector... Maybe he finally understood he was corrupt or maybe he was just a tax collector that wasn't and people still look down on him like this Pharisee. But either way, he recognized himself as a sinner. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So then Jesus says that that tax collector, those people that you hate so much, those tax collectors and sinners, they recognize their need for a savior and they are going to go home justified. Is that, that's what Jesus says. Rather than the Pharisee, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we need to humble ourselves is what Jesus talks about. And one way we can do this <laughs> is almost with this uh, little segue into verses 15 through 17. Jesus talks about um, the humbleness of these little children. The disciples were irritated over the fact that the children were coming to Jesus to get blessed by him. So they're like, get these kids out of here. We don't want these kids coming near Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, let the children come to me. Because these humble little children who you look down on, they are going to make up the kingdom of heaven. So we need to humble ourselves as a little child. And I mean, I've gone into what that means before in the past. But I mean, when you think about a child, they are definitely very humble. They are definitely very innocent. And uh, they're kind of dumb. <laughs> ah, they're so funny. I have a niece. I think you've heard her on the podcast before. And she's innocent and sweet, right? And cute. When she gets so excited about something, she just has this like glow about her, right? Like she is so excited to do something. And that's how we are supposed to be towards heaven. We're supposed to be excited, like the way a little child would be. We are supposed to be humble. We are supposed to be innocent. We are supposed to choose to follow Jesus the way a child would choose to follow you, right? I mean, children copy every single thing that an adult does. They follow you and they do everything that you do. We are supposed to be the same way as little children. And that is one way that we can definitely humble ourselves. So the moral of this, these parables is A, never stop praying, and B, humble yourself. And those are two ways that we can really have that faith that Jesus talks about quickly in verse 8. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Like I said, not quite sure what that means, but I do know that we are supposed to strive to have faith. We are supposed to strive to be like little children so that when Jesus comes back, we will be ready for him. But you know what, friends and faithful listeners, I do hope that you are enjoying this podcast. And if you are, just share it on your social media platforms. But I will let you guys go today. And I just hope that you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. And also join in tomorrow for an episode out of Numbers. We're going to be talking about the beginning of the depravity of Israel. So definitely tune in for that. It's going to be an interesting one. But friends, I will see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. Happy listening and God bless. Oh,